Hello and welcome to the Enjoy Church podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope this message empowers, equips, and helps you become everything God has called you to be. Enjoy the message. It's uh, so cool to be back here, the, the birthplace of Enjoy Church. Isn't that awesome? This is where it all started for us. It's a, it's a beautiful thing and it's an honour to stand on any Enjoy platform, but particularly this one where it all started, this platform. And I'm not just talking about the wooden, the fancy, shiny stuff. I'm talking about all the things we don't see, all the stuff that Pastor Shane and Georgie did for over or decades, we can say, to build what Enjoy Church is. Let's honour them right now. Let's honour this house right now. Man, I, uh, it's a place of legacy right here, the year of legacy. This is, where, this, this is legacy. You're in a room of legacy. You know, who we are was birthed in this place. I started to learn how to be a pastor in this place. I I led a, a ragtag youth ministry across the car park. I used to slap the bass right there, man. It's awesome. <laughs> rust me on, rust me on, bro, rust me on. <laughs> this is a place of legacy. This is a place of legacy. You know, so many enjoy locations have been launched from this place. So many people have been touched by God and their lives have been changed in this place. So many giftings have been released, callings have been connected to. John Baterno has even played guitar right in this place. Come on. <laughs> it's generational, this place. Can I get an amen? I feel like you're warming up to me. Be warm, warmed up. Finish it. It's generational. It's legacy building this place. I can't wait for the day my little beautiful girl Harper is standing on this platform or behind a coffee machine or in the car park with Elmer in high vis doing some waving of the, the things they got out there. It's awesome. A place of yet legacy, a year of legacy. It's such an honour to be here, such an honour to be a part of Enjoy Church and what God is doing in our church. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And my name's Ash. I'm the pastor of Enjoy Melton. And uh, we, are, we are just having the most awesome time out there. Be quiet, Roxy. Go to the back. Security, get her out of here. Get her out of here. You be careful, Tammy. You're not, you're not far behind, mate. But uh, God is doing an amazing thing in Melton. We're just continuing to see God do the miraculous our church grow, this church grow. I think I was here in November and, and I'm like, man, we're full. Like we got two services where it looks like we're getting close to whatever's next and sometime in the future, we're gonna have to figure something else out. We get to January and we're like really, really full and, uh, and I'm, I, I don't know what to do. So I'm praying for God to tell me something at Summit because I'm out of ideas. I don't know what to do. Well, well, if someone can add a roof seating or something, we'll figure it out, but, but it's awesome. But it's, it's so good what God is doing in Melton because we're aligned with Enjoy Church. It's like what God is doing here, what He's doing in Ballarat, what He's doing in Bendigo, what He's doing in the city, wherever it might be, God is good. And I'm here with my beautiful wife, Norma, and my beautiful daughter, Harper, and I left our rat of a dog, Rock Dog, at home. We're on our way to prayer meeting yesterday morning in a bit of a rush, and he, uh, we let him in just for 10 minutes, you know, to hang out for a bit. And he left us a couple of gifts on the carpet just, uh, just as we were rushing out the door. Thank you, dog. Thank you, dog. Thank you so much. But, but here we are, the year of legacy. Hey, who, who loves the thought of the year of legacy, the year of legacy? It's leading up to summer. I can't help but think of legacy building moments. You know, as I sit here in the year of legacy, about to step into summit week, I can't help but think of life-changing encounter with God, because that's what summit's been for me. That's what summit's been for a lot of you. It's why if you're not registered, make sure you register. Just 
Don't want you to miss out. You know, last year was ridiculous, super powerful with Pastor Josh Adams, Pastor Sam picking God's presence, rocking up and touching people's lives in worship, anointed preaching, awesome family time with coffee. Come on, can I get an amen for coffee and food and enjoy merch. You can't forget the enjoy merch. It's hugs and high five. Like somebody is awesome. It is a life changing encounter. And like Pastor Christian was saying, like, the last few years in particular of Summit, God has dealt with the biggest things in my world at Summit. And it's been amazing. It's been, the, my favourite part was sitting on the front row right here where FA is with all the visiting pastors next to me and me just cr- crying and weeping like a little baby in front of them, like for no reason. I'm like, this is awesome, man. I'm supposed to have it together. I'm just like losing it in the front row during like, MC segment talking about merchandise because God's like speaking to me about stuff I got to deal with in my life. But, but it's awesome, man. We, we get together as family. People are called into ministry. We got location pastors and vision team members that God touched their life and called them and enjoy so much. So make sure you register. Somebody's powerful. You see, it turns out, it's interesting. It turns out if you fast and pray for a month, and you're expecting, and you, there's unity, that, that like things happen. Like who would have thought it's a biblical principle? Yeah, like, oh, it says in the Bible, it is true. It does work. You know, there's something about prayer and fasting and expectation and unity and, and the house of God, the family of God, the church coming together. You see, life-changing encounter is what God's all about. Can I get an amen? amen. Life-changing encounter is what God's all about. It's His, it's his character. God wants to meet with people. God wants to do stuff. He wants to bless their lives. He wants to bless your lives. He wants to anoint you. He wants to empower you. He wants your life to be changed through encounter. You can see it all through the Bible. You know, Moses, he goes up Mount Sinai to receive the law that guided the people to Jesus coming and the Ten Commandments. And and he's up there and he he has to come down and put a veil on his face because his face is shining from the glory of God, like, I want a shiny face after summit. Oh, I'm gonna, gonna get some veils on Amazon pre-ordered, ready to go. So just chuck them on when I go to the supermarket. I'm not freaking people out. You know, encounter life changing. When, when Jesus was born, if there's one time in my life, I wish I could be like a pig or a horse or a goat. It was back when Jesus was born. So I could hang out in that stable, in that manger and get to be there when the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, you know. I'd have a cup already for the wise men that were going to come. Like Life-changing encounter, where our world encountered Jesus. The triumphal entry, the promised king comes to Jerusalem and we're forever changed. You know, the woman with the issue of blood, she reaches out and what touches the, the hem of his garment and he's healed forever. The blind man crying out, healed. The, the young bloke that's lowered through the roof with his, uh, his rat bag mates holding edges of his bed, healed and forgiven of his sins. Can I get an Amen. Life-changing encounter, the fishermen that are called not just to fish fish, but to fish men and their lives are forever changed. The, the day of Pentecost, come on. The coming of the Holy Spirit, a mighty and rushing wind, the comforter, the, 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 the helper, the Holy Ghost. If you want to get old school Pentecostal, I love the Holy Ghost. Isn't that the best way to say it? So good. We are forever different. Church, God wants to change your life. He wants to, can you, are you with me? He wants to change your life through powerful encounter. 
He wants to heal you. He wants to set you free. He wants to forgive you of sins. He wants, to, you, he wants you to receive salvation. He wants to pour out empowerment on your life. He wants to anoint you. He wants to give you spiritual gifts. He wants you to do all that stuff. He wants your life to be different as a result of just a moment in his presence. Just a moment in his presence. So church, we stand on the edge of encounter today. Think about it. We're 3.5 days away from summit. Three and a half days from God doing something in our world, from our lives being forever different. So the question I ask myself when I'm standing in this place on the edge of encounter and God's just about to change my life and I know it, why? Because it's happened so many times. Something about being united, something about prayer, something about fasting, something about the church being together, something about three, four days in God's presence. Because I know God's about to change my life but the question I ask yourself is what, what have I got to do? What have we got to do, church? How do we prepare for encounter? How do we prepare for encounter? Let's just not do church today and go off and do our week. Let's do church today and go off and get ready for what God's gonna do in three and a half days time. Let's not just go back to work. Let's be preparing ourselves for what God is gonna do so that we're forever different. And, and the first thing we gotta do is we gotta remove. You look at the story of Moses, he's out shepherding his sheep, doing his thing, hanging out, doing his job and, uh, and then... <laughs> Then God rocks up in a bush that's burning, but doesn't burn out. Like, what, what? Like, what is going on here? And God speaks to Moses and he says in Exodus 3, 5, take off your sandals, off, take the sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. You see, Moses had to remove his sandals. Had to remove his sandals. He had to get rid of what separated him from the presence of God. Had to get rid of the thing that separated his body from touching God, from touching and encountering God. He had to remove what divided him from God. I really believe, church, we've got to remove our sandals. Not the shoes you're wearing right now because you may not have washed your feet this morning, but we've got to remove our sandals. As we prepare to encounter God in three and a half days' time, we've got to remove the stuff that separates us from God. We've got to remove the things that divide us from Him. Remove the, the stuff that keeps distance between us and Him. We've got to break the hold of the things that cause separation in Jesus' name. Maybe it's mindsets. Maybe it's habits. Maybe it's addictions. Maybe it's offense. Maybe it's hurts and pains. And I get it, it hurts. <laughs> I've been hurt. I get it, it's painful. And maybe even on some natural level, you'd be justified to holding on to these things and, and getting a bit upset and a bit angry and a bit whatever about them. But, but the reality is when it's all said and done, you've got a decision to make, no matter what's gone down, do you want that to be in between you and God? No matter what it is, how horrible it might be, you know, we've, I won't go into it. But when it's all said and done, you've just got to make a decision to remove it. You've got to make room for God. You've just got to make a decision. No matter what this stuff is, I'm making room for God. You've got you to let Him in. You've got to remove the insulation, the things that, cause a divide, the things that create distance between you and God, and you gotta let Him touch you directly. Anyone who be touched by God directly? Encounter God directly. You gotta let go of everything apart from Him. Like really, let go of everything apart from God. These next three and a half days, just let go of all the stuff. Start offloading it, start let going of it. You think about Elisha, right? He's out in the field, he's plowing with, plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. He's got his... His machinery doing their thing, he's at work. It's like he's a, uh, an IT guy on a brand new laptop, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like he's a carpenter with some hammers 
and nails or is an account manager with a brand new crisp client list ready to make a bunch of phone calls. Like that's what he's doing. You see, but then Elijah walks past and that's the man of God. That's the encounter with God. Elijah walks past and throws his, uh, his mantle, his double denim mantle over him. And he calls him, that's not even in my notes, that's pretty good. He calls him to, uh, see if I remember that next service, he calls him to ministry and it's an encounter with the prophet. I'm wrecked this serious moment, man. But Elijah walks past and, he encounter, and it says in 1 Kings 19.20, and he took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment. And we go a bit further and it says, then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. What was he doing when he did that? Well, he was, he was burning his laptop. <laughs> he was slaughtering his hammer and nails, if you can even do that. He was throwing out his client list. He was saying, oh, I got no plan B. I'm getting rid of whatever the options might be. If this prophet gig doesn't turn out, oh, I got no option. I'm like going with this prophet or it's all low. You hear what I'm saying, church? Church, Elijah stepped out in full faith, removing everything apart from him and God. I really believe if you want to encounter God's presence mightily, you've got to remove plan B. You've got to remove the backup plan. You've got to remove the thing you can go back to if it doesn't quite work out. Step it out in full faith. In 1519, a guy called Hernan Cortez, a Spanish conquistador, landed on what's now the shores of Mexico to explore, to discover. And uh, despite historical whatever, we'll just go with the general gist of it. The thing he did when he landed on those shores to his whole fleet, is he said, burn the ships. (laughs) They just travelled across the ocean for who knows how many months. And he's like, we land, he goes, burn the ships. Burn the ships. He goes, fleet, you have no option but for us to go forward and do what we're called to do, to go forward and discover. Church, I really believe that, that when you land at Summit next Sunday, maybe as you walk through those doors, the first thing you gotta do is say, burn the ships. You say, get rid of this stuff. Maybe in the car park, maybe on the way to Summit, you've got, you got a couple of ships in your life. You've got to start burning them on the way because there's quite a bit to burn and it's going to take some time to burn them down. Are you with me? I say, chuck them on the bonfire and pour on a bit of petrol and start to burn those ships. You hear what I'm saying? Maybe even today, maybe even today, you've got to grab a hold of some stuff. Maybe this week you've got to start piling, piling, piling that bonfire. I believe God's speaking to a lot of you about stuff he wants out of the way for what he's going to do at summit. Burn the ships, burn the ships. Set yourself up in such a way that it's just you and God. Remove anything else and it'll change your world. Church, in preparing for encounter, we've got to remove. The second thing we've got to do is expect. Expectation means a strong belief that something will happen or be the case. Think about the disciples waiting in the upper room, the apostles waiting in the upper room. Jesus is like, hey, Holy Spirit's coming. Just be ready. They're like, all right. <laughs> just waiting there praying, you know what I mean? It's awesome. They waited expectantly. And it says in Acts 1.14, uh, in one accord in prayer and supplication in Acts 2.1, it says they were all together in one place. And I want to highlight those couple of key words, all together, prayer and supplication. Because if you ask me, that sounds a bit like Enjoy Summit. You know what I'm saying? being all together in one accord, in in prayer and fasting leading up to it, in supplication. It sounds like what's gonna go down in 3.5 days time, you know what I'm saying? It sounds like they were gathered together in the the upper room at Melbourne West, ready for God to rock up, preparing the way for a life-changing, you can say amen, it's all right, a life-changing encounter. 
Simple words, but important, you see, together, being gathered together in unity, there's power in it. We all know Psalms 133 says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And we fast forward down the ends, for there the Lord commanded the blessing. There's a blessing when we're united. You know, that's called a song of ascent, which means they literally sang it as a church as they were heading up the hill to go to church. A song of ascent on their way to church. Church unity commands a blessing. Be expectant together. Can I get an amen? Be expectant whenever we gather together. Can I get another amen? Be expectant and believing for God to move. Expectation, prayer and supplication. We all know what prayer is, the best thing. You get to like just have a chat to the creator of the universe. Like, is there anything better? Like, prayer is awesome, but supplication. Supplication means to plead humbly. And as I was thinking about it this week, I, I reckon we get this whole supplication, plead humbly thing, the, the meaning a bit mixed up in our head. See, because humility means freedom from pride or arrogance. Humility isn't, I'm not worthy. Woe is me, the little worm. Please, God, help me, I'm worthless. No, that's not what humility is. Therefore, that's not what supplication is. Humility and supplication is just being real, is knowing who you are, is, is, is speaking to God without pride or arrogance being a part of the picture. It's not begging, it's coming boldly as it says in the Word of God. It's asking as a son or daughter, asking for your God-given inheritance that's already yours. Asking confidently, get this, knowing who He is, but knowing who you are. Church, be expectant, united together with prayer and supplication in expectation. United together, expecting Him to move, asking Him to move from a, a place of confidently knowing who He is and who you are. And my last point, we've got a bit, so it's not gonna finish just yet, but my last point as we prepare for encounter is worship, worship. I wanna look at Moses again. So he's about to go up uh, Mount Sinai, get the Ten Commandments, get the shiny face, the whole deal. He's about to do the whole thing. He's about to step into covenant. He's about to encounter God face to face in a life changing way. And in Exodus 24, one to two, it says, now he said, God said to Moses, come up to the Lord, you Aaron and a couple of blokes and 70 of the elders. I'm not gonna read their names because I'll get it wrong. Nabad and something or other. And 70 of the, couple of blokes, it's much easier. And 70 of the elders of Israel and worship from afar. And Moses alone will come to the Lord. Now the, 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 the little thing I wanna chuck in there is that this is old covenant, not new covenant. Old covenant, not new covenant. Thank God that, that we don't have to come to summit and wait outside the gates and just Pastor Shane can come in here and encounter God. Thank God that we can all register for summit under the new covenant. We can all come and park in the car park with Elmer and his crew. We can all get a coffee. We can all come and worship God together in one place because the veil was torn because we're in new covenant. Come on. But anyway, regardless, let's take cues from the Israelites because the principle applies as the worship team comes. Church, in preparation for encounter, we gotta worship, we gotta worship. And how do we do that? Well, yeah, with songs, but, but it's so much more than that. You know, a lifestyle of worship, like it's kind of like a gemstone or a diamond. There's lots of different facets. And the songs we sing, the musical facet of worship is just one facet. There's so many more. We gotta worship, not sing the slower songs. We gotta worship. Well, you know what I'm saying? Worship with our life, worship with our thoughts, worship with our actions. Do them as unto God everything we do each and every day. Because after all, our worship is all we can do as the creative team comes. 
<laughs> They're having a cup of tea out the back. <laughs> Someone's giving Pastor Pat a foot massage out there. I can see it. Ah, oh, see, he just put his shoes on then. <laughs> uh, love you, Pat. You're the best, mate. Let's give up for Pat. He's doing an amazing job. I think the thing you don't realise is like Summit's 3.5 days away from us. Uh, Summit for our creative team is about negative 3.5 days of sleep, all right? They're already there, so they're awesome. They're working so hard. We love you guys. We honour you. Thank you, man. It's awesome. And in come the keys. Beautiful. See, it's all we can actually give Him, our worship. It's all, it's all we've got. He's got everything else. We can just give Him our worship. Just give Him your worship. And when we give Him our worship, I was thinking about it this week, it should magnify Him. Magnify means to praise highly, to glorify, to extol, to praise and render honour to God. Make greater in size, status, importance, to enlarge, increase, augment or advance. See, our worship, when we worship God through our words, through our actions, through our mindset, through whatever we do, is gonna magnify Him. Like Pastor Jack Hayford, some of you know where I'm going, wrote all those years ago, majesty, worship His majesty. Unto Jesus be all glory, honour and praise. Majesty, think about the words, kingdom authority, flow from His throne unto His own, His anthems raise. So exalt, lift up on high the name of Jesus. Magnify, come glorify Christ Jesus the King. Majesty, worship His majesty. Jesus who died, now glorified, King of all kings. You see, church, our worship should magnify Him. It should cause to be held in greater esteem or respect. It should increase in significance. You know what I'm saying? By declaration of our mouth, it should make Him better. You are greater. You are mightier. You are my salvation. You're my redeemer. You're my healer. You're my provider. You're the King of kings. You're the Lord of lords. You're, you're the one that is, was and is and is to come. You're the great I am. You're the ah, whatever it might be. The first and last, you are God. Everything else when we worship should pale in comparison. God, be magnified in my life. Be magnified in my situation. Be magnified in my mind. Be magnified in my world. Church, let the words of your mouth shape your mindset. Bless God. Put Him in His rightful place. Magnify Him. Our worship should actually also glorify Him. Glorify Him. Glorify means heavy in weight, to give weight to or to honour. To glorify God is to recognise God for who He really is and respond appropriately, acknowledge His weight. I, I love surfing. Yeah, I've got my Ace Ventura t-shirt on today. I love, I love surfing, right? <laughs> I love surfing, but I'm not very good at it because it turns out if you're a pastor and you're always doing stuff on weekends and the church is an hour and a half away, you don't get much opportunity to surf. But anyway, I love surfing, but I'm not very good at it. And, and when I get dumped by a wave, which is really quite often, it's like every second wave, like actually not even, even more. But, uh, but when I get dumped by a wave, the power of the waves are surreal. But the reality is I'm talking about three or four foot waves. They're not even mega waves. They're just like beginner waves, you know what I'm saying? And the fact that I'm so helpless and that there's so much power in such a small wave doesn't make any sense. And you know what? That's just one wave. You gotta think God created the whole ocean with just one word. Think about that. The power of our God is literally unfathomable. You just can't understand the power of our God. 
Church, as you worship, glorify Him, His power, His weight. And and I wrote this down. Let, Let our worship engage and activate our spirits in a way that affects and leads our soul. You see, we're body, soul, spirit, right? Let, let, let our worship engage our spirit in a way that it leads our soul, which is our mind, our will, our emotions. Don't let those lead the way. Let our worship put our spirit in charge. Let it lead our soul to a place where God is magnified and larger than anything else in our world, where it is glorified, all-powerful over any and all circumstance. Church, as I, as I close, remove expect and worship. That's what I'm gonna be doing this week. And to be honest, on some level, that's all I do every week. Not that I'm so, some special whatever, but I just try to remove stuff between me and God. (laughs) I just try to be expectant for Him to move and change someone's life, to change my life. And I just try to worship as much as I get time to, as much as I make time to. You know, my my question is to you, again, don't just go and do your week after today. Don't just go and do your day after today. You can can set yourself up for God to do something powerful in three and a half days time. My question to you as you prepare to encounter is what's your week gonna look like? What's your week gonna look like? But even beyond that, what's your every week gonna look like? I'm so ready for next weekend. I'm so ready. I know I'm going to be different at the other end. God's already been speaking to me about stuff. I'm trying to push it aside because I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I'm not ready for it. But be ready, church. Prepare yourself because God is going to move mightily, mightily.